it was just cathartic and empowering to me. And I just haven't really looked back from these things since. And I, you know, I think I delivered probably to about a thousand people over the week. And just from then, I almost felt like if I can do that, I can sort of do anything. And if I can stand up in front of a room full of people and tell my story, people say what they want. It's not going to bother me. I've seen myself what I can do. I'm empowered. I'm just going to keep on going. That is Simply Focus with every journey and Dumbly Gouda for live and joy and deep. Are you ready for this new episode? Then please welcome your hosts, Elfie Journey and Dominic Godin. Hello and welcome back to episode number 109. We are very excited to be here today on Zoom with Will Reed from the UK. Hi, Will. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much. You're close to Bath right now. Yeah, um, that's it. Sun is shining, which is not usual in Yeah, no, it's not usual in, not usual in the UK. It's usually chucking it down with rain here. <laughs> and we are very excited today to be able to talk with you about your solution-focused journey. You are 18 years old and just finished your A-levels. Congrats on that. Yeah, thank you very much. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you were introduced to Solution Focus by Tara Gretton about a year ago and were part of introduction to Solution Focus at Beach and Cliff, which is a great school that is doing a lot of solution focused work and we are looking forward to talk with you about that. And you're also youth advisor at Boys in Mind. So Will, tell us what fascinates you about Solution Focus? It's difficult to really put it into words, I think. To be honest, for me, finding it well, probably about a year ago, it was just I was sort of struck with the kind of the positive tinge to it, I suppose, because I felt with a lot of approaches, they felt so negative. And so when I was able to sort of find an approach to mental well-being that felt inherently positive, it just really took me. And I think it really helped me, I think, when I was going through things in my life. And so I was able to see it from both ends kind of thing, from receiving it and from then being able to sort of teach it to other people and speak to other people using it. Mm. And what was it that was useful for you that also grabbed your interest to know more about that? Well, it was just when Tara sort of delivered it to us at school, we all were kind of saying to one another, this is such an amazing approach. Why didn't we think of this? It seems so obvious, but not kind of thing. And so when we were all doing that, we were all sort of interested to see well, why is this obvious and why haven't we thought of it before? And then just exploring the kind of the, just a different approach. And I think that's why I was so interested because it was aimed towards the future and towards your hopes and to what you're looking forward to rather than what it acknowledges the past, obviously. It doesn't sort of dwell in that kind of thing. And that's the kind of the person I think I've been, just a kind of forward-looking, hopeful person. And I think that's why it's kind of fit into me so well. Mm-hmm. And well, you were introduced to Solution Focus because your school had this big program and focus on mental health. Could you tell us a little bit about the history and story of that? Yeah, sure. So Beach and Cliff, it's hard to believe, but it was two years ago when it was sort of first decided that we want a push on mental health was wanted to be made kind of thing. And there was a couple of students from my school who decided to first run an assembly themselves and sort of take that leadership kind of role. And they sort of got up in front of the entire year and told a testimony of their own experiences. And even, I think it was just literally there from showing that vulnerability, kind of the change in the environment at the school towards a more open and welcoming environment for mental health was just 
oh, it was extraordinary. We've continued this trend of doing these mental health assemblies. And after sort of two years, we saw something like a 320% increase in boys actually seeking help, which was just amazing. And that was the point where our pastoral lead needed to get trained in, well, she ended up getting trained in solution focused by Tara. And that was a sort of point where she was able to then change it a bit. And then we got Tara in. And so solution focus up came to the school. And along with the kind of the efforts that we made at the school to sort of set up a mental health team to lead on these assemblies and other points, we then thought about really the power of combining this solution focus approach, which we sort of stumbled upon with the work that we were doing at Beach and Cliff. And so we were trained as the mental health team by Tara in solution focus. And we started to then use those kind of the words and the thoughts of solution focus between our friends and between us at the school just to see it from a different way. And that was, you know, as time's gone on, solution focus has just become more and more ingrained in the environment at the school. And they're changing the way that they appraise staff to use more solution focused language. And just it's really becoming a sort of, I think I heard someone say a solution focused school. I think you could really sort of say it is becoming that. Mm. Wow. And when you talk about we were trained, who is we? And yeah, what was your role within the school? Well, I was just a student, really. I remember after the first assembly, I was actually the ones receiving the first assembly that there was. And that was when they sort of said, if anybody would like to get involved in a sort of mental health team, so to speak, we're looking to set up one. And that's what we did in the end. There was a group of, you know, friends and people from my year that got together to form this mental health team. So there must have been probably about 10 of us. As the year went on, we then were trained by Tara and we sort of practiced in between each other. And that's just really gone on. And as we went into upper sixth, one of the members sort of was kind of put as a lead prefect for mental health to kind of put even more of a sort of stress on it. And we've just really made mental health And, the, you know, the combination with SF, a really important and actually authentically listened to kind of thing in the school. So you were in a team and then other students came to you for help or what did you do in the team? I think the other thing that I keep sort of touching on is the youth leadership aspect of it, because when we were put in this team, we were then sort of treated as equals to the staff when we were advising with SF, uh, with mental health. And so a part of our jobs as a team was to sort of come up with ideas for this assembly, come up with ideas to put a stress on mental health. So one of the things that we did was to get these badges, the green pin for mental health, to show that we were actually solution-focused trained and part of the team. And so when we were sort of able to do that, we were then showing to people that they were able to come to speak to us And they might not want to speak to a teacher. They sort of came to us and we could either use, we could either just talk to them as sort of supporting ear or we could use SF. And that's what we ended up doing. And I think that was a really big thing because, you know, some people don't feel confident in going to a teacher or going to a counsellor. And so that's why I suppose there was really such an increase in mental health because the students were giving it to the students and sort of spreading that kind of message as well as the people going to the outside agencies or whatever. Mm. And what differences did you see or do you see in the school and also with the students receiving that or the kind of the way the students interact with each other? It's just so much more accepting, I think. That was the big thing that I really noticed. And, you know, two years ago, I'm not saying that it wasn't accepting, but it was just not sort of, you know, talking about mental health just wasn't really something that we got these the kind of the 
necessary assembly of you know a few months or something and that was about it and then as time's gone on as we've made this really big push i think just seeing people accepting one another you know for who they are we saw the lgbt community come out you know really feel confident to come out in our year and i think that that was the big thing acceptance and just being open to one another because of that you know people were able to then show their vulnerability again and it just kind of becomes a sort of snowball effect where more and more people talk. It's almost like a change of ethos to more open and talking to one another. And it was just so amazing for not just the students, but for the staff as well. Because us feeling trained in SF, we felt empowered to talk to the staff because it's not just the students who go through bad times. We felt empowered to talk to the staff and see how they were doing and just make sure that everybody was looking out for one another. And so it just sort of became an almost kind of community thing where everybody was looking out for one another. Wow. It's just so amazing to listen to this story and also to see, like, we had several conversations already about your work, your school, your passion about SF. And together with Tara, you gave a presentation at the Solution Focus 24 conference in August. And I was really honored to have some conversations with Tara and you before the conference. And one of the things that really stroke me was a story you shared. And I would love you to share this story again, where you and your colleagues were kind of sitting together and rambling and then noticing like, oh, no, we can do something about that. Yeah, so actually all of us had received solution focus in the kind of the way that, you know, we've talked to Tara about things that we were going through. So the kind of mindset of, I suppose, breaking things down and thinking, what's the kind of step I could take towards that goal was sort of present in our minds, I suppose. And so we'd all been part of the mental health team trained in solution focus. So we knew that. And we were just talking about, as we usually do, we were out for coffee or something. And we sort of came across the issue of sexism. And that was something that had been, that still is a problem at Beach and Cliff, which we've actually, we're now part of sort of solving over the next few years. The usual way we would do it is we would kind of get angry and just sort of rant at them and not really do anything. But we were sort of doing it. And then it kind of like a light bulb moment. We're like, hold on a second. Why don't we actually do something about this? If we're just going to talk about this and not do anything, what's the point? We can actually take this small step towards the ideal we've got, take this step and actually go to a teacher and sort of say, we'd like to see this. We felt by them giving us the leadership roles and then instilling that kind of sense of equality between everyone, we felt confident to go and speak to the teacher and say, we've observed this we'd like to do this kind of thing. And yeah, so from that, we are now involved and we're going to be involved over the next sort of year or however long in changing that. And it's just amazing because, <laughs> like I said about SF, it was sort of so obvious, but we didn't even think about doing it. Mm. So you really get from complaining to a preferred future and then to do something. Yeah. And you were also mentioning something I'm really curious to learn a bit more about. You said the course of the last year, particularly the LGBTQIA community felt really more confident in coming out in your school. So what do you think contributed to that? I was lucky enough in my own journey because I'm gay to be on the kind of receiving end of Solution Focus. And I think for me, Solution Focus was a way of envisioning my best future of me coming out and really going on those steps to kind of empower me towards that. And since then, I haven't really looked back. And I think 
it was funny, it's something I saw at the SF24 conference talking about SF with the LGBT community. It's a really kind of empowering method for those who perhaps haven't thought about the possibility of coming out. And my friends and people in my sit form have received SF. That's been the main approach that we've got to, you know, deal with their own issues. And for some of them, it has been coming out. And I think that was a big thing why a lot of us felt empowered to do so, because SF just sort of reaffirms our own strength and gives us the chance to envision what life will be like should we come out. Yeah. Hmm. So the difference it made for you was, well, envisioning the difference and the life after coming out. And Yeah, I remember, you know, some people come into that room and kind of have that as a sort of issue which they kind of buried and they haven't even thought about the kind of the possibility of coming out that was the same for me I sort of pushed it down and had not really thought about it and when we were you know talking about what would be your best hope it was like well it'd be me coming out I suppose it just sort of came like that and just giving that kind of best hope outlook and that kind of best hope different way that we frame it it can be such an amazing and freeing way for a lot of people and liberating kind of way for people to go along their own journeys, I suppose. You also mentioned acceptance. Well, I think solution focus is the approach to see people as experts for their lives and well accepts the way they want to live their lives and then to yeah the, the way they want to go about that. So for me it's yeah this acceptance and really seeing people as well not only experts but also as Elfie always says and their brilliance really can make a difference. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a huge thing that's happened at Beach and Cliff. I think that's why it's fit so well, because we've had some passionate teachers who want the students to lead and really then sort of seeing them as experts in what they're going through, what they want to see is, I suppose, why so much progress has happened. And yeah, as well, you've got that kind of multi-layer of acceptance for and no judging for the kind of the client and how they're able to then become their authentic selves or whatever and go through their own kind of journey. And then we've got this kind of layer of the staff accepting the kind of the thoughts that we have. And that's a big thing, really authentically listening, because that's a difficult thing. I remember when I was being taught SF, authentically listening and getting rid of all the kind of preconceptions. It's such a big thing when you're doing SF training to sort of get that really nailed down. As a part of Beach and Cliff becoming an SF school, it's something like coming up to 100 teachers being trained by Tara in SF. So they've really kind of got that thought of genuinely listening to someone. And so they've all been really genuinely listening and acting upon the kind of the thoughts we have. Oh, I love that. And I love how you highlight that. It seems there are going on some really beautiful co-constructions together. And there is one other story that just comes to my mind listening to you. And that was, I think, also you or Susie might have told the story of the first assemblies in your school. And I think they were before you were introduced to Solution Focus. It somehow evolved that students started to do the assembly, which I think is such a big and powerful step. So in our first assembly, it was run by a student. He sort of delivered his own testimony of his own experiences, and he really played an instrumental role in actually delivering that. And we showed some youth advisor at Boys in Mind, and what Boys in Mind do is they reduce and challenge stigma surrounding male mental health and ultimately prevent suicides because of it. And a big part of their work is to do films of either men talking about their own experiences or just sharing their own vulnerability. We showed a couple of these films in the assembly 
as well as the kind of the aspect of someone from the, our own school talking about his own mental health, we shared these films and seeing more people being vulnerable, just showing that kind of sense of things rather than just saying mental health is important. You must talk about it. Actually showing people doing it was cut eye opening for a lot of people. Yeah. So another thing we had as part of those assemblies was anonymous staff testimonies. And to hear the fact that some of these people talking about their own experiences, you know, could well have been from your maths teacher or something like that, it kind of hit to home for a lot of people and really will notice the power of it. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. And yeah, that brings us maybe to Boys in Mind, where you also are a youth advisor now. And what are you doing there with Boys in Minds as a youth advisor? Yeah, so Boys in Mind, originally, it was a kind of more the classic organization, which is sort of almost led by adults. And I remember the coordinator telling me about a story of when she was listening to one of the young people speak. It was the guy who actually delivered the first assembly for us. And it was just, like I said, a light bulb moment again, where it's like, this is the approach we've got to do, youth leadership, this aspect of it. And so as time's gone on, more and more people have got involved and there's now 10 youth advisors, which I'm one of them. We really feel like we're equals in the organization and we're the ones sort of delivering the kind of the things that we want to see and the kind of projects that we'd like to see. And we feel then feel supported by all the others who are involved in some way. And Tara's part of Boys in Mind. And so we've been really trying to bring Boys in Mind into a solution focused organization as well. And so, yeah, Boys in Mind, we develop resources like these films blogs, podcasts, and then we speak at conferences as well and just share the work that we've been doing. And actually recently we did a film on Beach and Cliff actually and its journey with uh, mental health of details, the story more in depth, the kind of steps that we took, you know, from two years ago, what we had and then kind of develop it to where we are today and what we're looking forward to in the future, I suppose, the best hopes again. So you will find this film in the resource section of this podcast. And I just recently saw another film, actually, thanks to you, because you shared it on Facebook <laughs> about Black Lives Matters, which was really very touching. So I, yeah, you will find all the links in the resource section so that you can look up the video about Beach and Cliff and others. And why Boys in Mind? I keep saying Boys in Mind because that's my default thing, but it is Boys in Mind, Girls Mind too. That's the official name of the organization. So Boys in Mind, Girls Mind 2, primarily is sort of focusing on the stigma that surrounds men talking about their own mental health and obviously aims to then reduce that. But we're obviously conscious that for a lot of girls, they can then have, whether that be a sort of boyfriend who confides in them or best friend who confides in them, it can be quite a stressful thing for them as well. And so at the same time as reducing the stigma and showing men who are vulnerable and really setting that as a kind of a role model almost, we're then conscious of the impact that that's having on girls. And we're putting a stress on the Girls Mind 2 aspect of it now, where girls are sort of talking about their own experiences with supporting men, I suppose. Hmm. So in your school, Beach and Cliff, youth leadership was a big topic combined with solution focused and now boys in mind the same aspects of youth leadership and solution focus and really you stressing the differences it makes when young people really are encouraged to step up and take the youth leadership. So when doing that, what differences do you see or did you see or have you already seen? It's hard to put it all into words, but you know, one of the things is role modeling and sort of showing friends it's okay to talk. And then as a result of that, 
people opening up and it just sort of keeps going like a chain. I think that was a big thing that we saw and why we actually needed to hire a lot of counsellors to actually deal with the amount of people that were stuck to come to us. But another thing is empowerment and empowering the students to feel like they're truly listened to. And as a kind of result of SF, and genuine listening and all this kind of stuff. And then the youth leadership has a result. I've seen that people feel empowered. Like I said about that story where we felt empowered to go and speak to a teacher. More people have feel empowered. If there is a problem, they can go and speak to someone. That We always knew that deep down, but it's really important to actually properly feel like you're empowered to do so and feel like that without judgment. I think that's the really big thing we felt because when you're listened to, there is no judging. They are genuinely listening. Yeah, and you were also talking about from young people to other young people in assemblies and doing that with boys in mind too. So what differences does that make for you on the one hand when you talk to other young people and maybe also to young people when they are listening to you? It can have a whole world of differences for yourself and for the other person. You know, because I delivered a testimony is that my story sort of coming out as gay. And for me, that was... Like it was a huge moment. It really built my own confidence. It was a sort of cathartic moment, so to speak. And it was just like, well, I've been able to do that. For me, it was just amazing. It had such an impact on my own kind of journey. And then for other people, it was sort of showing them, I suppose, the kind of thing I didn't have a role model as someone who is gay and really doesn't care what other people think. Showing that to other people perhaps had an impact on them as to sort of someone showing their vulnerability to them. I remember getting feedback from a year eight student so he would have been that be 12 I think 12 or 13 and he had said to you know someone else who was running the assembly that guy speaking it really was amazing and really hit home and it was just so amazing to hear someone talk about it because it's just not something we really talk about and so then because that has helped them it had another effect on me because I felt then empowered again to do the same and so I've done that at more times and it's just this kind of you know, I feel empowered to do it by hearing what, you know, the impact it's having on them. And then they obviously get an impact from that. And they, they see more and more, well, I suppose you could call it a co-construction kind of thing, because we're both doing kind of something and it's just building what the two of us are doing kind of thing. And it's so easy to talk about that. But really thinking about that, you were then maybe a year ago, 17, 18, and go on stage and share your story of coming out, which is unfortunately still, well, a thing. So what was helpful for you in this process? I suppose literally being able to say, I'm gay to a room full of people. And having them there, they can't say anything about it because I'm the one standing up in front of you telling you about my experiences. And no matter what you say, you know, this takes a lot of strength to do this. I suppose it was a cathartic moment because I was able to just say, you know, I'm gay to a room full of people and then see them not really make any reaction other than a couple of people whose head sort of was like, oh, someone's just talked about it, <laughs> you know. But it was just cathartic and empowering to me. And I just haven't really looked back from these things since. And I, you know, I think I delivered probably to about a thousand people over the week. And just from then, I almost felt like if I can do that, I can sort of do anything. And if I can stand up in front of a room full of people and tell my story, people say what they want. It's not going to bother me. I've seen myself what I can do. I'm empowered. I'm just going to keep on going. 
Wow. Uh, I could listen to you forever. And yes, thanks for doing the work you do. Thanks for getting up there, sharing your story, because you really make a difference for many people. And for sure, for me, I can say it. <laughs> and you're right now in your gap year, coming up with what to do next. What are your best hopes for this time or also from this time? I think for me, I really am looking forward to really exploring solution focus even more. I think that's a huge thing I really want to do this year. You know, speak to you two, speak to Tara, all these kind of different people that I've got in my life and just speak at these different conferences and just meeting all these kind of new people who are interested in this, such a wonderful approach. And really, I think for me, developing that aspect of me and now that I've got the time to do it, I really can just let my sort of passion go wherever it goes kind of thing. Mm. Well, if there is one thing we have not yet talked about that made a crucial difference in your solution-focused journey so far, what could that be? I think probably it would be the fact that the person I first spoke to and the only approach I think I have ever been, you know, talked to someone under was solution-focused. My pastoral lead was talking to me in a solution-focused way. And I suppose if I hadn't had that approach from both sides and really actually authentically needed that approach from that side, I don't know whether I would have seen the power of it. So I think probably that's the kind of the thing that I'd really like to get in schools, the aspect of at least a teacher or some teachers being trained in it. So they are able to sort of awaken this kind of passion in young people towards the approach. Wow, what a great thing to work towards. We have more people in schools, more teachers, more students, well, more everyone in schools doing solution focus and really making these differences with each other together. And now, of course, we're curious about the challenge of the week today. Yeah, so sort of in line with the kind of aspect of getting young people involved, I'd like people to genuinely listen to a young person and treat them as an expert and then give a young person a leading role and really genuinely listen to them and take on what they have to say. Wow, what a challenge. I think I will do that with Bibiana. I didn't give her the lead over the weekend in some things, so I think I could do better thanks to your challenge. <laughs> I can definitely see how it might be a difficult one, but it's a great thing to do. And the results that come of it are amazing. Yes, we can see that. So we have to say a big thank you to your teachers, to Tara, who introduced you, but most of all to you for engaging in that way, for taking the chance of using it and for just spreading the word about it in the way you do it. This is very, very special and it's really beautiful to have your voice in this community and in this world so thank you very much will no thank you definitely to both of you for giving me a space of my kind of the passion that i have for sf just to kind of to go and speak you know to really listen and really have these sort of really insightful questions and just really give my mind a kind of well i find it's a break to go into sf kind of thing yeah and let's see where it all leads us and where we yeah where we go with that and where you go with that and where everybody goes with that so we're all on this journey together 
and everyone is important. So please let us know what inspired you with this podcast. Let us know what inspired you by what we'll talk about. Please let us know what made a difference for you and share that with us in the comments field on www.sfontour.com slash podcast and then go to episode number 109. And there you will also find all the resources we mentioned in the podcast and you will also find the details of how to contact Will in the resource section. <laughs> so once again, a huge thank you to you, Will. Thank you very much for everything you do, for everything you did and also for highlighting that and really making that visible so that other schools, other young people, other teachers, everybody can do more of what you have experienced and the differences it made for you and your students and your colleagues. Yes, so we're looking forward to more conversations with you and we're looking forward to be back next week with another podcast. See you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. This was the Simply Focus podcast with Alfie Cherney and Dominic Odat, your podcast for a life in joy and ease.